Hello, hello, and welcome back to Organic Gardening for Beginners. My name is Jessica, your host from the blog Homegrown Food and Flowers. And today we've got episode 31, Rolling In, Gardening While Renting, Five Tips to Make It Work. And I am coming from the last 10 years of being a military spouse and moving every few years. And before that, I traveled and moved for work. Before that, I was in college. So I've moved plenty over my years. I am not one of those people who was born in a house and grew there their whole childhood, grew there, lived there their whole childhood. And, you know, through high school and every year of college, I came back and no, I've moved more times than I can even count. So I've got lots of tips and experience of gardening and starting gardens while renting and ways to not break the bank doing it. So let's jump in for some tips to make it work for you too. All right. So one of my biggest tips is all about having to save money while you're doing this because it can get really expensive to start gardens over and over again. And one of the coolest ways that I ever did this that I would love for you to try to is I actually just asked for the money. We rented a house and there was nothing in the backyard. It was just, you know, your standard green lawn. And I really, really wanted to put in some raised beds and I really, really didn't want to pay for them myself because I knew that I wasn't going to disassemble them and take them with me when we left. And so I approached our property manager that was you know, in charge of renting the house out to us, uh, who then passed on my request to the owners of, can you please invest in your backyard where I will build this raised bed for you? You'll pay for the lumber and materials. I will provide my labor for free and I'll leave the garden behind when we move out. And they asked for, you know, kind of a plan of what exactly I was going to be building and how much it would cost. And eventually I got approved. And so in granted, this money wouldn't get you as far today. This was quite some time ago, but I got $250 for lumber and materials to build these raised beds in the backyard, which was awesome. That's 250 bucks that didn't have to come out of my pocket for something that I wasn't going to take with me. And so I was able to build raised beds, put in a whole big garden in the back. Some of it were perennials that I left behind. A lot of it were annuals that the next tenant that just inherited. Um, And it worked out really well. So I would encourage you, it might feel a little awkward or, you know, you might be thinking, yeah, they'll never go for it, especially these days with prices, which is a whole other topic. Um, But Is it worth a shot? The worst they can say is no. As they say, the answer is always no unless you ask. Uh, So ask. Make up a little sketch of your backyard. Have a rough outline of what exactly you want to put in, whether it's maybe a little stone patio or some wooden raised beds or some of the corrugated metal raised beds that will last a long time. And just ask, you know, see, see what they say and run with it. And even if they say no, I still have some tips for you on how to start a garden without breaking the bank. First off, grow in containers if you want to keep as much of your investment with you over your moves. And when you grow in containers, you can, it takes, of course, some effort. That's a little bit of the trade off effort to plant them and then unplant them on the other end when you're getting ready to leave. But whether you are using grow bags or plastic pots or ceramic pots or even the big resin type pots that, um, aren't as heavy, but are are bigger than your standard plastic pots. 
you can just empty them out, give the soil to somebody else, or even bag it and take it with you, honestly, depending on where you're going, and take it with you, and you will have lost very little money by installing this garden. If you want to still build out wooden raised beds, then one of my suggestions for that is to use cedar fence pickets instead of something more durable like a two by four or two by six. Cedar fence posts are a lot thinner. They're only about half an inch thick. And so they won't last for forever. They'll last several years, you know, again, depending on your climate, but they are a lot cheaper than buying a two by four. And so your money can go a little bit farther with getting your beds established. And they make a really nice three by six raised bed. That's actually what I used for the last several years uh, in California. We're just these cedars fence pickets that you can find at Lowe's or Home Depot, you know, any of the big box stores. And it will keep your investment cost down. If your budget is super tight, then I would suggest using grow bags. Those are going to be one of the cheapest methods to still grow in containers, you know, say you only have a patio or balcony available to you and you can't grow in the ground, then using grow bags can stretch the budget. And if you're not familiar with grow bags, they are, well, a bag really, um, that's made usually out of something like a felt material that allows water and air through, but obviously contains all of the soil and keeps it in one spot. They're super lightweight. They take many years to break down. And depending on which type you get, you can get them in anything from a one gallon size all the way up to a 20 gallon size. Usually they'll have handles, so they're a little bit easier to move. I will say in my experience, you have to be very careful with your watering. If they get on the drier side, then they are harder to rehydrate because the felt just repels water at a certain point. So if you have drip irrigation, then that's a really great way to be regularly watering your grow bags. If you don't, which you might not because you're on a budget and that's why you're doing grow bags, then just put a little you know note on your calendar, set an alarm on your phone so that you remember to go out there relatively regularly, as in I would daily during the summer for sure. Not during the summer, every few-ish days, I would say, unless it's actively raining, to go and check on your grow bags and make sure that they're not drying out too fast. Um, Because that airflow that is a benefit to the soil and the roots is also what dries out your soil. Uh, So they just need to be monitored a little bit more closely than something like a ceramic pot or a wooden raised bed or even an in-ground garden. Uh, But grow bags are super handy. They are very budget-friendly and they are easy to empty out and then take with you once you're getting ready to leave. So my next tip for gardening while renting is if your soil is not so good, meaning it's rocky or it's really thick clay or even sand, we had a lot of sand in South Carolina, um, or it's full of weed seeds, you might save yourself the trouble of trying to improve the soil by just growing in containers or putting in those raised beds where you can kind of have instantly better soil, depending on, of course, where you source your soil from. But I'm all for improving the space, you know, for when you leave so that the next person can inherit something awesome, or that you're just making your backyard a slightly better place, whether the the next tenant maintains it or not. But I also, of course, understand the constraints of, I want to get my garden in now. I don't want to spend this many months working on the soil and building in compost and all those things. I want to plant it so that I can eat from it in the next couple of months. Totally get that. 
if that's the case, then I would suggest going with one of those raised beds uh, ideas that I just mentioned or getting in those containers and filling it with some sort of potting soil mix or a compost mix, uh, which we're going to talk about in just a second. And that way you're not losing time improving the soil at the cost of not getting your garden in right away. Now, if you are feeling concerned about where you're going to get all this soil and compost to fill these containers or raised beds or grow bags, I have a few tips for you. One of the best sources that I found for compost was in California, where I randomly found out about this mushroom farm not far down the road. And they had free mushroom compost that you could just come and load up yourself, take as much as you wanted, and it cost nothing. And this was awesome. We got two full truckloads in order to fill those raised beds that I got my landlord to pay for. Um, So that garden, I honestly got started for just the cost of the seeds and the plants that I bought from the nurseries. It was great. The wood was free. the, The compost was free. It cost a lot in effort and work, but again, totally worth it. And so I got free compost that way. So if you have farms in your area, whether that's a horse farm, a llama farm, a mushroom farm, give them a call because this was not the first time that I called around for free compost. There was also the second time we were um, stationed in California when, when I had to start over again there. Then I called a horse farm. And I got, again, a couple of truckloads of composted horse bedding and horse manure that I used in my garden all that growing season. And it was amazing. So if you are, you know, moving for work, you're moving for school, whatever your reason is for moving and renting somewhere, think about the local places that you can call to source your materials without having to actually pay for them. Farms are a great idea. You can also check your municipality to see if they have a compost program. I ran into this a couple different places that I've lived in the past um, where you can either go get free compost from the green waste programs that your city has going or you can get it super duper cheap. One of the most recent places I lived, we were able to get free compost that you could either scoop for free by yourself or you could pay $2 and they would load it into your truck for you. It is green waste, meaning like the curb bins where people put their kitchen scraps or their yard scraps or you know things like that. So there is always a risk of getting a piece of plastic or twine or a branch that didn't get fully composted. I personally don't mind. I can deal with that. Um, there's also a question of you know, what is the fertility level in it? Because most of these programs don't have any sort of standard that they have to maintain other than they have to cook the pile hot enough to kill any potential pathogens. Um, But, you know, what does that mean for how much nitrogen is in this compost or how much phosphorus, how much potassium? So it can be a good idea to run a simple soil test when you're scouting out these compost and soil sources Um, if you're not buying it, you know, in a bag where it's clearly stated on the bag, um, which I wouldn't suggest doing at all. Filling a raised bed with just bag compost and potting soil can be so expensive. Um, so you can get a relatively cheap, they're about 20 bucks, um, soil test that you can pick up online at any garden center, any big box store, and you can do a basic test for fertility of your soil. 
So with those couple of sources, check your farms, check your municipal compost center. You can also, of course, look on something like Facebook Marketplace, see if people are giving away compost or they're dismantling old raised beds because they are moving out. That can be a great way to get your hands on soil and compost without having to invest a bunch of money, which as a renter, you're already investing money in things that you're going to be leaving behind. So let's not make the garden one of them. Next thing that I want to mention is use your use your plant budget wisely. So save your perennials for your forever garden unless you are potentially getting kind of sponsored plants from your landlord like I had mentioned before, knowing that you're going to leave them behind. So your rose bushes or asparagus or trying to think of other things that take a little while to, fruit trees certainly leave those for another time because unless you're going to dig them up you're going to leave them behind and perennials tend to cost more money. Certainly fruit trees cost more money because obviously they're going to live for a long time and produce a lot. Um, so stick to annuals, stick to edible food crops, stick to maybe smaller potted perennials that you know you can take with you that you don't have to then start that plant over again next time you move if you're a perennial mover uh, like I was for a long time. If you are finding if you're having difficulty finding a good spot to grow in your backyard because it's, you know, the sound, the ground gets soggy or it's not sunny enough or the soil's bad or whatever it is, and it would be better off to grow in the front yard to take advantage of sun exposure, then I would suggest using companion planting here. And you know me, I sing my praises of companion planting all the time, but this one's actually for a slightly different reason. And that's because a lot of reason that people avoid gardening in the front yard is that they're nervous it's going to look ugly. And I'm using air quotes on that word because it's all relative. Um, but if you are either not allowed to have a garden in the front yard or you've gotten comments of your, you know, hey, your yard in the front is looking a little bit too wild or, you know, hey, we only allowed flower beds or whatever it is. Sneak some companion planting in there, and that should help kind of buy you some camouflage, for lack of a better word, where if instead of putting out a bed of just green beans and just lettuce and just cilantro or, you know, your selection of, of veggies and herbs, put in some zinnias or put in some cosmos or some nice tall sunflowers that can kind of hide what's behind it, and that can help prettify and beautify the front yard to get you to make it a little bit easier to have your garden in the front without anybody complaining about it. Especially if you live in an HOA where the rules are pretty strict about that, that might be a way to still grow some veggies in the front yard by focusing on how can you make it prettier and look more like a traditional flower garden as opposed to a food garden. You can also think about growing things like rainbow chard that has multicolored stems, um, or you can grow some ornamental kale, some ornamental peppers, and granted those are ornamental and not for eating, but if you're using them to kind of dilute the look of your veggie garden, then again, that might help kind of camouflage what you're doing so that you can still grow some food in the more optimal area in the front yard, even if it is frowned upon. Of course, I'm going to throw my little disclaimer in here. Don't break any rules. Don't get yourself in trouble. You know, if you signed a contract that said, I will not have a garden in the front yard, then follow the contract that you signed. You know, don't don't go to any extreme. But there are some ways to kind of bend the rules, uh, especially if you are 
you know, renting long term, um, or if this is just your way of life for a while, and you still want to have a garden. So try to get creative with it if you can. um, And see if you can't find a solution to still be able to garden where the sunlight, the soil and the water are all best suited for the success of your garden. Speaking of the rules, another tip I have for you for gardening as a renter is find out from whether that's your landlord or if you're on base and you know you have a housing office, what is the expectation for when you leave that rental? Some landlords or housing offices are going to be very, very strict on make it look exactly as it did before you got a hold of it. So if you put pots in the grass or raised beds in the grass, and then when you take them out, obviously it's going to be bare dirt underneath. Make sure that you know whether or not you need to replant the grass to replace what got killed off. And you don't have to go buy sod or anything like that. What you can do is just take your beds and your containers down a month or two before you know you're going to leave and then put out some grass seeds so that it has a chance to sprout and get established before you go. It's not obviously going to be as mature or probably look as full as the lawn around it, but it won't be just bare dirt, especially if, you know, you're heading into winter when it's going to get all rainy and muddy and be super obvious um, and maybe a pain for the next person to have that bit of mud. Um, So just leave yourself that little bit of wiggle room to be able to replant the grass to replace what died off when you put in the beds. And maybe you get super lucky and the next person doesn't care or your landlord doesn't care either, then I guess really it's up to you whether you want to try to replace the grass or not. Or maybe you're super lucky and you have a backyard that has like some permanent beds that you just kind of adopted. But basically talk to your your people and see what the expectation is when you leave again so that you can leave yourself enough room. Last tip for gardening while renting. I realized I should have been numbering these as I went. My apologies. I'll number them in the show notes to make it easy to navigate if you if one tip catches your eye more than the others. So compost. Let's talk about compost as our last tip. And it can be a bit off-putting to start a compost pile as a renter because, again, where do you put it? You're going to have to move it when you leave. It's kind of not, it's worth it, but it's not worth it. And so what I'm getting at is try worm composting. My goodness, I should have just said that to start off with. Worm composting is a great way to compost in a very contained space that isn't as much of a hassle, you know, compared to regular compost. You can get worms locally. You can get worms online. You can build your own very budget-friendly worm composting system. You can buy a worm bin that is ready to go. Basically, all you do is throw in the bedding material, your food scraps, and the worms. Any range of the budget, there's a way to do it with worm composting. I am not a worm composting pro. I'm actually pretty darn new at it um, because I just recently discovered it. Uh, So I don't have a whole lot of golden rules to share on this one. I'll put a couple of YouTube video links in the show notes. One of them, her name is Angela. She's got a gardening channel called Growing in the Garden, and she has some really good reference videos for worm composting that I've learned a lot from, and I'm kind of adopting her methods. But if worms aren't your thing, then the last way that you can compost without putting in a traditional bin is to get one of the tumblers. And I don't love the tumblers. I've tried them in the past. I find them to be pretty awkward and 
slow to actually make compost, but it's better than nothing. And if you haven't seen a tumbler before, then what it is is basically a black garbage can on its side that is propped up on kind of a little sawhorse type deal where you can spin the the base, the cylinder, and tumble all of the compost ingredients inside. And the reason you're tumbling it is because you want to mix up all of the materials that are in there, incorporate air, incorporate moisture, and it replaces the traditional turning of the compost pile so that everything gets broken down evenly. They are very easy to find secondhand. They run, last I saw, maybe $60, I want to say 60 to 100, depending on what you get. Um, So it has a little bit of investment, but you might even be able to find some for free. That's how I got mine was a curb alert. I got mine for free down the road. Um, and so I used it for a couple of years, you know, as a, hey, this is better than nothing while we're renting. Um, again, you can find tons of resources specific to container composting in that way. And while you might not generate enough compost to fill a brand new raised bed, it's a great way to build on-site fertility, even while renting And before you can have a regular full-size compost pile, something where you can top dress your plants or you can add it into your seed starting mix or dig in whatever compost you have or the worm castings into your beds before your next season's worth of planting. Lots of different ways to incorporate it to make it worth it, even if it's just a smaller amount, um, as opposed to, you know, imagining this big compost pile that you could have in your permanent location. Um, but it's still going to add value to the garden. Those are my tips for you for renting. Mostly I want to help you save money so that you're not investing all of this money and effort into building something that you're going to have to leave behind. I want you to be, be able to take advantage of your front yard if the backyard just doesn't support having a garden. I want you to try to build some on-site fertility through worm composting or a tumbler composter. And I want you to grow what you can, even knowing that you're going to have to leave it behind because it's fun. It's totally worth it. You can grow a little bit of your own food, some of your own flowers, your herbs. And I don't want being in a rental to stop you from feeling like you can put in a garden. Totally doable. You just have to manipulate your situation a little bit sometimes. And it gives you a lot of time to practice for your forever home. If you're one of those people who never want to own and always want to rent, obviously that statement's a little bit different. But if you are somebody who is dreaming of your forever home, planning to have one eventually, then taking advantage of gardening while you're renting is an awesome opportunity to practice those skills that you are then going to apply to that forever home somewhere down the road. Um, you know, every whether you're just growing a little grow bag of cilantro and lettuce and carrots, you're still taking care of something. You're potentially starting seeds. You're learning how to water regularly, how to fertilize if you need it. Those are all skills that you're then going to use in your potentially huge garden in your forever home. And so practice while you can without spending a whole ton of money. But it's so much fun. Why, you know, get out in the garden whenever you can. All right, that is it for this week. Next week, we are continuing our little theme here of gardening while blank. And next week, we're talking about gardening as a mom. 
and some of the tips, some of the realizations that I've come to over the years for still getting into the garden, even while being home with my two kids and how I make it work for me. So I will talk to you next week. 